Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. For years, ParCast has worked tirelessly to bring you an unprecedented look at history's most radical true crime events. Your support has not only allowed us to keep exploring these stories, but has driven us to keep expanding as well. So as a thank you to the ParCast listeners, I am honored to announce the release of our first book, Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. It's available on July 12th, and you can pre-order it today at parcast.com cults. The Branch Davidians, The Anthill Kids, Heaven's Gate, and more. Cults combs through the terrifying details never explored in any of Parcast's series before. This is a passion project only made possible by you. So we truly hope you'll enjoy it. Visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order your copy of Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. Please be advised that this episode contains names and representations of Indigenous Australians, This episode includes depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. And please note the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story of the Yara Mayahu. Today's episode combines features from a number of Aboriginal and colonial Australian legends for dramatic effect. Hello, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Each week, we explore the hidden places of ancient and modern cultures, seeking out the things that go bump in the night. There's no clearer portrait of a society than in their greatest monsters. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we march through the Australian desert and out to the southern coast. The blood-sucking Yaramayahu dwells in the space between the village and the bush. He lurks in trees, ready to gobble up children who have gone out alone. Gobble up may be a misnomer, though, because when the Yaramayahu swallows you, that is only the start of your suffering. Coming up, a young girl learns what hides in the fig trees. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like, if casual and cool, had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The Boogeyman is a near-universal figure in folklore. As long as there are children, there will be monsters that eat them if they misbehave. But each monster is a manifestation of very real dangers. So harsher places tend to host the fiercest boogeymen. And there are few places on the planet as fearsome as Australia. Australia is home to several of the world's most venomous snakes, a spider whose bite can kill a child in 15 minutes, not to mention vicious saltwater crocodiles and velociraptor-like flightless birds known as cassowaries. But most fearsome of all, in southern Australia, where the water meets the cruel wilderness known as the bush, there lives the Yara Mayahu, a man-eater that doesn't even have teeth. The Yoramayahu can be a little silly to look at. He's a squat little man with ruby red skin, barely four feet tall. His large head is almost all mouth, but there's a good reason for that. Once he drains his victim's blood out of their bodies with the octopus-like suckers on his fingers and toes, he stretches his jaw like a python. Then he swallows his prey whole. Oh, and there's one more wrinkle. The victim isn't dead. Digesting a child is difficult work, so the Yaramayahu sometimes has to take breaks. It regurgitates the victim, takes a nap, and begins the process all over again. And again. And again. If you think there's an opportunity for the victim to escape here, you're right. But that's easier said than done, for even if you escape from the Yaramayahu's stomach, you'll never be the same again. Nila Dali watched quietly as the hunters cleaned their game. The elder Poltpalingada stood amongst them, making everyone laugh with his jokes and observations. Nila Dali had hoped they wouldn't notice her lurking, but soon she found Poltpalingada's attention had turned to her. You should just come over here, Nila Dali. You're too tall to hide. I never thought I'd see the day when a girl like you grew enough to look me straight in the eye. Our little seed has become a banyan tree. Nila Dali's face felt hot. She didn't like being reminded of how quickly she was growing. Thirteen seasons was a long time, it was true. It had brought the usual awkwardness, the changes in shape and height that made her trip and bump into things. But it was the changes in her heart that worried her. The younger Nila Dali always did what she was told. She completed her chores, stayed close to home, and never thought of the wilds outside her village. And yet... 
Lately, Neela Dolly was feeling the urge to explore. She knew it was dangerous. She heard the hunters' stories, and the elders like Polt Palingada expressly forbid any of the children from going into the bush. But as Polt Palingada had just said himself, she was strong now and tall, and what good was looking like an adult if you couldn't act like one? It was after his comment that she started thinking... Adults could go out into the bush in search of fruit if they wanted. They could stay away from the village for days if they liked. If you went by Niladali's height, she was an adult. So she would do a task of her own. She would go to collect figs. Her elders had told her to never stand beneath a fig tree called a banyan. It was where the Yaramayahu hid. But he was only a boogeyman, something for children to be afraid of, and she wasn't a child. The warm air clung to Neela Dolly's skin as she approached one of the trees. The trunk was thick and wide, with strange curves that made it look like the tree had been wrapped in billowing fabric. It was hard to think of something so ancient and beautiful as a threat. Neela Dolly peered up at the branches above her, trying to decide the best place to begin to climb. The leaves rustled in the bay breeze. Then they rustled a little more. A small round shape was hiding in the tree. Its head and stomach were wider than any creature's should be. It was a foot shorter than Neela Dolly, at least. Its skin the deep red of Kwandong fruit. The eyes were reptilian, and the mouth extended from tiny ear to tiny ear. It was smiling at her, or perhaps that was just its face. She blinked at it, confused. It tilted its round head, studying her, grin widening to reveal a mouth with no teeth. Suddenly, Neela Dolly knew what this was. A Yara Mayahu. It leapt from the tree straight for her. She dove out of the way in time, her heart pounding with adrenaline. Her luck didn't hold. An instant later, the monster caught her with one crimson hand. She tried to fight, but then the pain started. A web of round shapes attached to her skin. She felt the grip piercing, stabbing into her. She screamed. The Yaramayahu was doing what it always did draining her blood so she couldn't fight back. She writhed and bucked, trying to throw the creature off. He was undeterred. He set his feet on her forearms, pinning her down and attaching suckers to every inch of her skin. Her vision swam. She felt her skin go cold, her lips go numb. Her protests grew weaker and weaker. Then she didn't move at all. Her limbs wouldn't respond, neither would her eyes. Still, she felt it beginning. A shadow arced over her face like a curtain. Something cold and wet slid beneath her head. Her body began to move, slowly at first, an almost gentle rocking. She felt the tunnels of sticky, wet tissue opening for her, leaving just enough air for her to take shallow breaths. 
it was a small solace in such a desperate situation. Liquid sloshed beneath her. Her skin began to burn. She tried to scream, to cry, but her lips wouldn't move. Neither would her tongue. All she could do was scream in her mind as the Yaramayahu began his meal. Coming up, Niladali's struggle has only just begun. British history may be rich with impact, but it's also rife with mysteries. In UK Unknown, the new Spotify original from Parcast, we attempt to answer some of the Isle's most elusive questions. Who was Jack the Ripper? Were secret groups controlling the empire? And who, or what, created Stonehenge? Royalty, literature, aliens, war. UK Unknown takes a closer look at Parkart's most mystifying episodes to separate hoax from history and absolute rubbish from the bloody baffling. Sit back, grab a cuppa, and catch a new episode of UK Unknown every Friday. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. The burning of Niladali's skin had become a dull throb. In spite of the damage, her body seemed to have decided it was done feeling anything at all. But no dulling of pain could make her forget the eerie motion beneath her, carrying her farther and farther into the tunnel of acid and darkness. She'd been eaten by a Yaramayahu, Yet she remained conscious, immobilized, nerves screaming as the monster's digestion began. Through the pain, she thought of her elders, her parents, her village, the village whose rules she'd flouted so needlessly. Now she would give anything to run to her elders and apologize. Something churned just above her head, Then the strange wave of flesh that carried her into the maw of the Yaramayahu reversed itself. If she could move, she would have gasped. The legends were true. The Yaramayahu did regurgitate its victims. Niladali racked her brain, trying to remember every detail of the stories she'd heard from her elders and ancestors. Slowly, the memory came together. The Yaramayahu would check if she was alive once she emerged from its maw. The only way to escape was to play along until she saw some means of escape. Her eyes were still closed when the Yaramayahu finally spat her onto the leafy ground. Every inch of her skin ached, red and raw. She wanted to scream and shout for help, but she was still immobilized. Perhaps she wouldn't have a choice in this play-dead thing. Her eyelashes fluttered ever so slightly. Her chest rose and fell in short, shallow breaths. She was drowning in her own panic. She bit her lip, trying to ground herself. The pain centered her. She slowed her breath as best she could until there was only a trickle of air coming in and out of her mouth. Then she heard its voice right above her. 
Hello, little girl. Do you regret coming to my tree? Niladali didn't answer. She tried to hold her breath. The Yaramayahu leaned down. Come now, little one. If you're alive, you must tell me. I'll know soon enough. Niladali clenched her lids tighter. The creature might be right, but she wasn't going to give up so easily. The Yaramayahu bent even closer. Little girl, wake up. Niladali stayed as still as she could. She felt a tickle in her nose. The Yaramayahu bellowed in her face. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! She didn't move. The Yaramayahu pulled away. She could feel him pacing beside her, muttering to himself, Perhaps if I just take a little more blood, yes, I must be sure. Niladali didn't have time to inhale before he was pressing on her arm again. She stifled a scream at the sharp, sucking pain. She gritted her teeth, refusing to lose consciousness. She had to get away. She had to. Her skin chafed against the suckers. Finally, the Yaramayahu stopped. He huffed to himself. Yes, yes, I am certain. Now I will rest. Then he pulled away. Niladali listened for his footsteps. This part was crucial. If he lay down to sleep, she might have a chance. Only he didn't settle. He paced. The footsteps moved away, but not far enough for her to be comfortable. Where was he going? A loud slurping gave her the answer. He was drinking from the lake. Niladali cracked one eye open. His back was to her. Perhaps she could run, but she discarded that idea immediately. She'd heard stories of Yaramayahu's closing distances of 30 feet in one second. If he saw her, she'd be finished. He turned around suddenly. Niladali snapped her eyes shut. The Yaramayahu stomped back to the tree. He was humming to himself. Naps are lovely, yes they are. She felt the ground shake as he flopped down beside her, close enough to hold her if he chose. Niladali held back tears. She was stuck, completely stuck. The Yaramayahu began to snore. She felt his cold, wet breath against her neck. She shivered, terrified. He didn't wake. Niladali tried to wiggle her toes. Nothing happened. Tears coated her throat. It couldn't end this way. She wouldn't let it. She counted to ten. Then she focused every thought she had on her toes. All ten of them twitched and flexed. She barely managed to keep herself from letting out a celebratory, yes! She slid her legs up towards her body, trying to make as little noise as possible. She leaned forward and put her still numb arms beneath her. She didn't know if they would hold her weight, but she had to try. Niladali took one deep breath. Then she pushed with all her might. The movement made her acid burn sting. She let out an involuntary wince. 
the Yaramayahu sniffed, but did not awake. Niladali waited, watching him for any sign of movement. When she was certain he was asleep, she tiptoed towards the village. Each step was torture. Her body begged her to run, but she knew she couldn't risk the noise. If the Yaramayahu woke, she'd never outrun him. Quiet, painful steps were her only option. She let out a sigh of relief as the town came into view. Thatched shelters and lean-tos clustered together like little turtles. Children played as women prepared the evening meal, the hunters cleaning game as always. Her people went about their lives, unaware of the threat in the bush. Finally, she managed to find Poltpalingada. The elder took her by the hand and led her to the quiet shadows behind the lean-tos. When he'd gotten her calm enough to speak, she told him everything. Poltpalingada was stunned for a moment. All signs of his usual mirth had left his eyes. You must never go there again, Niladali. Do you understand? Niladali understood. Of course she did but others might not realize the danger. We have to tell everyone how I escaped. Poltpalingada swallowed, deep pain in his voice. You didn't escape, Niladali. I'm sorry. Niladali looked down at her body. It was red and peeling from the stomach acid, but she would heal. Poltpalingada folded his hands in front of him. Niladali, can you look me in the eyes? Niladali did as she was asked, only to realize something was wrong. This morning, she was the same height as Poltpalingada. Now, she had to look up to meet his gaze. She was shorter than she'd been in many years. Poltpalingada sat down and beckoned her over. The Yaramayahu takes a piece of you when he eats. He seeks to make you as small as he is. Niladali looked up at Poltpalingada, feeling smaller than she'd ever been. What happens then? Poltpalingada turned his head, avoiding her gaze. If he ever catches you again, you become like him, a Yaramayahu. Niladali's chest tightened. So I just have to stay away from him, from the tree. Poltpalingada looked like he was reporting a death. He knows you now, and you know him. You're marked, little seed. Wherever you go, he will find you, and he will do everything in his power to finish what he started. Coming up, a house call with the Yaramayahu. Now back to the story. Niladali didn't want to believe she was doomed. She'd escaped the Yaramayahu. That had to count for something. But she had to heed what her elder was telling her. Poltpalingada had warned her of the danger of the Yaramayahu in the first place. She'd failed to heed the warning and paid dearly for it. She looked up at her mentor, tears in her eyes. If I cannot escape him, what am I to do? For the first time, Poltpalingada looked lost. You live, Niladali. Cautiously, yes, but all you can do is live. And if he comes, 
he comes. Nila Dolly crossed her arms. I have to do something. The elder sighed. There is one way to overcome this creature, but it is not in your control. He must forget to check that you are unconscious. That is his burden. No matter what, whether you appear dead, alive, it doesn't matter. He must always check. If he forgets, the land will reclaim him. Niladali's eyes widened. That explained the Yaramayahu's obsession with waking her. He had to make a show of examining her to protect himself from the land's curse, which gave her an idea. How long does he need to forget for, Poltpalingada? Poltpalingada eyed her curiously. Some stories say that if a victim tells the land she lives before the Yaramayahu does, that's enough. Niladali nodded slowly and thanked Poltpalingada before marching towards the edge of the village. Poltpalingada called after her, but she didn't answer back, which made her heart ache. She didn't want to disobey again or take a needless risk like last time. Adulthood wasn't about taking needless risks. That much she'd learned. But waiting around for death wasn't the answer either. This time, she'd take a risk for a reason and hopefully solve this mess of her own making. The twisted trunk of the banyan loomed out of the dusk, a dark silhouette against a blue-purple sky. She peered out, searching for the monster. It was vital that she see him before he saw her. There was a small rustle in the leaves to her left. Niladali pressed herself against the trunk, praying she'd be able to stay out of sight. When the leaves didn't move again, she lowered herself to the ground as quietly as she could. She lay flat, eyes closed, breath shallow, and waited. She could feel the branch just above her sag as something stepped onto it. She smelled the Yaramayahu first, the metallic scent of blood wafted from his hands and feet as he tiptoed down the tree. Now, what have we here? He leaned over her. Little girl who ran off, you have come back to my tree. You are either not very bright or very dead. Both? He poked her with one sucker finger, It took every ounce of her concentration to hold in a scream, but she managed to stay still. The Yaramayahu tapped his suckers against her skin thoughtfully. Did you upset your village, little girl? Did they leave you for me in tribute? She could feel the monster's face just above hers, studying, waiting. Then he chuckled to himself. (laughs) How can I refuse a gift? Niladali tried to remind herself that this was a good thing. She wanted him to eat her. In fact, she wanted to be the most satisfying meal he'd ever tasted. The kind that would leave him in a daze, just for a moment. But as those soft pink jaws wrapped over her head and around her chest, she'd never felt more panicked. Maybe this was a terrible idea. Maybe she'd had one terrible idea after another. 
the flesh beneath her pushed her towards the acid-filled stomach. She stayed still, playing dead as the jaws moved past her waist and around her legs. The creature's stomach was even tighter than she remembered. The acid clung to her neck and hair, burning her scalp, seeking her eyes. She told herself she had to stay still. It was only a little further now, just a little further to really get into his belly, to really satisfy him. The jaws settled over her feet and closed fully, leaving her in wet, burning darkness. Neela Dolly didn't know how much air she would have, or if she would have any air at all. Now that she was down there and had satisfied the creature's appetite, she needed to execute the next stage of her plan quickly. First, she flexed her muscles, puffing out her chest to make herself larger, so large he'd have to vomit her up once again. Nothing happened. She pushed outward with her elbows and knees, a shudder rattled the Yaramayahu's innards, but still she wasn't moving upward. Starting to feel desperate, she gave a sharp kick. She heard coughing, sputtering. The light at the back of the tunnel opened up again. The horrible wave of muscle and acid reversed. The monster was pulling her out of his gullet. Niladali flopped out onto the ground. The Yaramayahu was panting from his exertion, distracted by it. He let out a satisfied sigh. Ah, nice meal, yes. Big. Tastes almost bigger than last time. Then he started to turn towards the watering hole. It was just a momentary lapse. He only took a few steps before turning back, but it was enough. It bought Nila Dali the time to gather herself after her ordeal and shout to the land around her, I'm alive! The Yaramayahu's eyes stretched wide with horror, and he started to wail. Not fair! Not fair! Not fair! I was about to check! But Neela Dali just gave a ragged laugh, pulling herself to her feet. She could see it was already too late. As the Yaramayahu stomped about, each step sent a strange white-green puff up into the air. It smelled earthy, yet acidic. The creature looked down. The substance was coming from him, floating through the air. He was dissolving, reunited with the land. The creature dissipated into white-green powder. It hung in the air like a cloud for a moment before drifting over to the banyan tree. There, it settled into petal-like clusters, ghost mushrooms. Niladali itched at her arms as twilight fell. A pale green light danced along the mushrooms from within. The Yaramayahu was gone, but some part of him still lived in this tree would always live in this tree. She, however, was free. Nila Dali never went near the banyan tree again. Some said that her brush with death was too hard to think about, but those who knew her well understood the true reason. Not long after her victory over the boogeyman, she'd seen another set of glowing eyes in the trees. 
As long as there were children flouting the rules of the village, there would be a Yaramayahu waiting to finish the job. The Yaramayahu's horrifying method of eating is its key trait, graphic and memorable. It's the perfect image to strike fear in the heart of naughty children. It also may be based on the behavior of real predators. Large pythons in many parts of the world swallow their prey whole, even when that prey is very large. Australia's olive python has been photographed killing and consuming crocodiles in the wild. Once its prey is subdued, it uses a technique of pulling and swallowing called the pterygoid walk to bring the prey into its body, bones and all. Snakes have a remarkable digestive tract and can consume almost every part of an animal. There's just one catch. Once the prey has been consumed, digesting all that matter takes time. The process can be sped up if the snake goes dormant, this is why pythons are sometimes found motionless on the ground, the outline of their prey still bulging inside their bodies. And even so, sometimes an especially difficult digestion risks the snake's safety. And in those cases, the snake may regurgitate its meal. This phenomenon is the likely inspiration for the Yaramayahu's cycle of swallowing, regurgitating, and swallowing again. It may be horrifying to think that there are snakes which can completely devour a crocodile several feet in length, but from a certain point of view, they're far more tame than the monster they inspired. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with one more Aboriginal monster. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Jen Riche, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. The Loch Ness Monster, Jack the Ripper, Shakespeare's Lost Play. The British Isles have long been the source for infamous crimes and baffling events. In UK Unknown, we cross the pond in search of answers, investigating the UK's most inexplicable mysteries. Follow UK Unknown free and only on Spotify. Catch a new episode every Friday. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa. Exciting news, ParCast's first book, Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Join Them, is now available for pre-order at parcast.com slash cults. 
Thanks to your support, we've compiled years of research, insights, and a catalog of case studies to expose more about these cults and the people behind them than ever before. Details which haven't even been explored in our Cults podcast. Visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order your copy of Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them.